From down under. Do. Or do not. There is no try. G'day, man. How you going? G'day, mate. How you going? This is Adam O'Brien, the Fanther from Down Under, coming to you live from Quinlan's Cantina on the Gold Coast of Australia, here for another episode of Star Wars Chat. That's right, Aussie style. Well, we've got some exciting stuff if you're into role-playing today. That's right, role-playing games. I've been playing those for years. Yep, I did West End games back in the day, back in the 90s, when uh, we were in the dark times of Star Wars. That's right, that's when there was no content coming out until we had, of course, those great novels from Timothy Zahn, of course, Michael Stackpole and Kevin J. Anderson. And we had these amazing West End D6 games. And that started my love of role-playing games. And, of course, D&D and many other things. But tonight we've got Ian, that's GM Hooley himself from Dice Pill Podcast, who's going to be coming on the show today to chat about his love of Star Wars, Star Wars gaming, and just role-playing games in general. Plus, tell us about his podcast, the team that he's got over there. And I'll tell you what, if you're a role-playing games uh, fan like myself, you've got to go and check it out because it is an amazing podcast, tells you about the Fantasy Flight Games systems, and of course a lot of their products, he's even working on some of the different products they've got over there at Fantasy Flight Games, so it's very exciting uh, to really get into um, the narrative dice system that Fantasy Flight Games has got over there, and um, Ian's here today to talk all about it. So, without further ado, let's get into it, here on the Fanta from Down Under. Welcome to Fanther Tracks, the Fanther from Down Under. I'm your host, Adam O'Brien, and joining me live from Brisbane in Queensland is a host of the Dice Pool Podcast. It is an RPG podcast, and if you're into Star Wars RPG or anything fantasy flight, this is going to be the place to go and check out, especially for a podcast. Joining me is GM Hooley, or better known as Ian Houlihan. Mate, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Adam. How are you? Really good, and excited to be chatting about... Um, RPGs and Star Wars, two of my favourite things, mate. So anyway, but how have you been? I've been very, very well, very, very busy. Uh, I'm now also doing a little bit of freelance work for Fantasy Flight Games as well. So uh, yes, that keeps me very busy as well as my normal day job uh, and obviously doing the podcast as well. So yeah. That's a very exciting um, thing to be happening too, to be able to do work uh, in amongst Fantasy Flight's uh, current uh, amazing title. So congratulations. Thanks very much. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of work on Legend of the Five Rings. So uh, if any of the listeners are into sort of samurai films and uh, and things like that, uh, that's uh, that's pretty much what uh, Legend of the Five Rings is. It's, it's kind of like, I guess, Dungeons and Dragons or, um, you know, Game of Thrones, but set in feudal Japan. So, uh, yes, it's very, very different. That's awesome. So, cool. it being a Star Wars show, we have to ask you about your Star Wars fandom. So, uh, when did you first watch the original Star Wars? Um, I watched the original Star Wars New Hope, before it was called New Hope, um, <laughs> in the cinema in the Toomble Shopping Centre, the old one where you have to climb up all these stairs, um, back in 1977. So, I was there for the original release, um, sure, I was only six, but that's okay. Uh, and, um, yeah, sort of fell in love with it. My dad um, really pushed the whole sci-fi. He was a huge sci-fi uh, fan. And he really pushed me into that sort of realm. 
uh, took me and uh, my best mate to uh, to see A New Hope, and uh, yeah, we absolutely fell in love with it. And it's kind of become a little bit of a lifelong obsession for me then. Um, so uh, you know, playing all the the role playing games and uh, collecting all the Star Wars stuff when I was a kid. Um, so uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of my obsession and where it came from. Yeah, and you've mentioned off air that you uh, got into the D6 West End games, um, Star Wars, which uh, I did as well. Um, did you enjoy that system and enjoy getting in and playing both, um, you know, characters and also doing GM and that? Well, look, the when it first came out back in 1987, uh, there was, you know, the, we call it, uh, as you would know, we, we Star Wars fans call it the Dark Times, because there just wasn't a lot that came out after um, uh, 1983, uh, after uh, Return of the Jedi. And so uh, suddenly, I mean, I'd been playing D&D since about 1984 to sort of fill this void that was left by no Star Wars. Uh, and then uh, suddenly um, this announcement came that um, Star Wars was going to be uh, coming out uh, in a role-playing game system. So I'd never GM before. I'd only ever played. So I thought it was high time that I do that, and I was so immersed in the Star Wars culture that uh, I felt that it would be a good place for me to start. So I got into the D6, um, played that for many, many years, um, and absolutely loved that system. Um, there was nothing that you could not do with that system. So, uh, yeah, absolutely loved it. Uh, and then obviously went through all the other editions, um, almost missed out on Fantasy Flight Games uh, version because I'd obviously been through all these other systems. I think I had system burnout. Uh, then um, during PAX, uh, in uh, the first PAX, I was down in Melbourne and went into a uh, game shop and picked up the Edge of the Empire book and thought, oh, it's got Star Wars written on it. I've got to buy it. So uh, even though I, I had no intention at that time to play it, and then I started to read it and really fell in love with the the narrative dice system uh, and then showed it to a few friends and listened to the Order 66 podcast, which is on the same podcast network as the Dice Pool podcast is on. Uh, and, um, yeah, learned everything that I could possibly um, learn about it, absorbed it, and then started to run it and then, yeah, just absolutely fell in love with this system to the point that I don't like other systems. <laughs> Except for the five rings, because I, I now ride for it, so I've got to love it. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it's uh, and I mean that's from Star Wars, from Edge of the Empire. Uh, they've then developed Genesis, uh, so Fantasy Flight Games has developed the Genesis role playing game, which is a uh, that uses the same narrative dice mechanic as Star Wars does, and Edge mm. of the Empire, uh, but uh, just in any sort of fantasy, any sort of sci-fi, any sort of setting that you want to uh, design of your own to uh, to bring people to the table to play in unique settings or, you know, I've, I've heard of people, actually I'm helping design it, um, is a Ghostbusters version of Genesis. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, you can pretty much do anything. Um, you've got to put a little bit of work into it, but, uh, you know, if you've got a good bunch of people around the table who really want to get into a certain genre, whether it be, you know, horror or aliens or you know, even Star Wars, you know, why not mm -hmm. um, use Genesis to, to make that a reality? 
Oh, without so, a doubt. Yeah. It's, and look, I'm I'm fairly new to Genesis. Um, as uh, my my crowd that we play with, uh, as I've said off air, uses primarily Edge of the Empire. That's the game, main game that we've been playing because we just love that scoundrel or smuggler sort of universe of Star Wars. Um, I've never been big into um, the Jedi and Sith because the thing is they're superheroes. And no matter what you throw them into, they're going to be superheroes, you know? So it's going to be, you know, uh, the smugglers doing an operation, and all of a sudden Jedi comes in, whooshka, takes out what he's going to take out, takes off. And then it's not much of a game, like, for, for myself anyway. Whereas you've got to use a team, and that team has to work together to pull off a job, get the resources to pay for the ship, to pay for the fuel, the hyperdrive, fixed up, all that sort of stuff. And that's just the story. The story of those games is fantastic. The GMs can have a lot of fun, and the narrative dice system pushes the um, the power back into the players as well as far as narrative. The dice system is the greatest system I've played, and I've played a lot of them. I think one of the things is I've really enjoyed starting um, from, as a kid, I think it was the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Yes. It was those, and uh, Where in Time is Carmen San Diego. I don't know if you remember that game. From, I do indeed, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was the idea that you can manipulate a story yourself. You are the storyteller, and each time it evolved to a better system uh, that I, I took on. You know, as as the the thing that I would be entertained by. So it went from choose your own adventure then to fighting fantasy, uh, mm. which you know uh, I've read those for years, and I think that's with the thing in the late eighties. We just kept collecting those books, and then the books got bigger, and there was board game versions of them. Then D and D, and it just kept going. And um, we got stuck with one system for a little while because we just—I think we liked a lot of the material more than the system. But uh, Palladium uh, books with uh, Robotech and uh, riffs and stuff like that. So we liked that sort of cyber universe there for a little while. But once we got transitioned finally over to this narrative dice system. It is the most fun I've had played in years. And I, I'm currently playing that alongside the new D&D, and that's fun, but mm. it gets bogged down in comparison to how quick, how, uh, how we move through combat. Like, the combat in, um, in these systems is quick, and that's what yep. I love about it. Well, the, the one thing that I, I think that for people who've only ever experienced role-playing games in the form of Dungeons & Dragons, and, I mean, that's an entry-level game. It's a lot more accessible than than any other game which is out there, and you know credit to Wizards of the Coast for for keeping that momentum going. And and Fifth Edition is a very very good version of D and D. And let's face it, there have been four other iterations yeah, yeah. of varying degrees of goodness. Is that a word? Um, <laughs> But uh, the the thing that uh, most people would obviously realise with D and D is that when you play, the GM has a lot more input as to what's happened. Mm-hmm. So the players can say that they do certain things and they roll dice and they, they give the result, but it's all left up to the GM or the, the dungeon master to work out and explain to the, to the players what's happened. In the narrative dice system, a lot more, as you said before, a lot more control is given over mm. to the players to determine, okay, so sure, I may have missed, but something amazing has happened. Or, you know, yes, I've hit, but something really terrible has also gone on. So, you know, you, you 
telling this story collaboratively, yeah. building uh, the the narrative as you go, uh, and it's just you know, I can't speak more highly enough about this uh, this game. It's just really really good. Um, so yeah, if you're a Star Wars fan. Even you don't have to go and buy in Australia that's like over a hundred dollars for the core rule book. Mm. You can go and buy the beginner box. Mm. There's four of them now. There's the Edge of the Empire one, there's the Age of Rebellion, there's the Force and Destiny, uh, and then there's also the Force Awakens. That's right. So yeah. whichever, you know, a genre you like, if you really like Jedi, go and do the Force and Destiny one. If you really like the you know, fighting the rebellion against the Empire, um, you know, definitely Age of uh, Age of Rebellion. Mm. Uh, if you really like the solo sort of film um, or Rogue One or something like that, um, more so probably solo, you know, you'd be wanting to look at Edge of the Empire. So, uh, but no, I, I can't speak highly enough about it. Everything that's in there, you've got dice and books and, yeah, that's all you need to start. Um, it's a great Christmas present for kids too. Oh, it is. I love the fact that it, it really has um, the actual material you would need. Um, if you're a player character, you've got um, not only do you get a mission or an adventure with it, you also get the core rules, the core weapons, um, some basic ships in there and stuff like that, plus pre-generated characters, which um, I think they're absolutely beautiful character sheets too, the way they've laid them out. Um, oh. Even though they're, they're literally, you know, it's all uh, made for you already. But yep. the artwork, the layout. There's another thing that Fantasy Flight Games are kind of leading the path with is um, the graphic uh, layout of their material is superior to most. I mean, I love D&D 5th Edition's layout, of the, the, the new books and stuff like that, but I, I think Fantasy Flight's got the edge here, I think. Look, if you're looking for beauty within a game you need to pick up Legend of the Five Rings. Um, they have taken everything that they've learnt from Star Wars um, and all of the the history and lore that comes with Legend of the Five Rings because it used to be owned by um, AEG, which was... Um, Legend of the Five Rings started as a card game. Yeah. Uh, and as... Uh, with all of that uh, that knowledge and um, and playtesting that they've done previously, they've now presented this product and it's and it's gorgeous. There is no other way to to uh, to, to describe it. Uh, the artwork is fantastic. It's uh, it's very elegant in, in its design. Um, and uh, yeah, it's also got a beginner's box set as well. So if you mm. want to sort of dabble in, you can always uh, go and take a look at that. God, it sounds like I work for FFG now, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, it does. <laughs> but what I'm going to say is, obviously, one of the, the big things that you do for fans of uh, roleplay, fans of Star Wars, and mm. now, obviously, Genesis as well, is your website is absolutely gobsmackingly amazing. When it comes to information, um, stuff that you can follow, what you guys are doing as, as both players and GMs themselves, but also... Mm. Uh, for information plus the podcast so you've got things like uh, obviously um, the Genesis resources page on your um, so this folks if you want to check it out while we're chatting it is the dicepoolpodcast.com mm. and this is I mean first of all it's gorgeous uh, and, and coming from an ex-web designer and uh, graphic artist uh, let me tell you it's, it's you guys have nailed it but what I love is you've got uh, enough information there for people that are new to Genesis can yep. pretty much create your own characters. There's and they're actually beautiful layouts, mate. When it comes to the um, the character sheets, there too. 
uh, vehicle layouts. Um, I mean, you guys have done a lot of work. We have, but I mean, we've we've also got a lot of um, uh, a lot of material from the community as well, and there are some amazing people who are out there who do. I don't know whether they do graphic design um, for a living, but mm. they sure as hell should. Yeah, uh, some of the stuff that they produce is just absolutely amazing, and we obviously get their permission to to post it up there. Uh, but we want to showcase what the community is doing just as much as what you know the the sort of stuff that we do. Mm. Uh, you know, we've we've designed our own setting. We did it live on the show um, in a thing which is called a setting roulette. Yeah. Each of us came up with this idea for, well, we came up with three ideas which we think would make for um, as elements of a great setting and then randomly chose around uh, the four of us one of those settings and then we put together a setting live on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, then we developed that so that it, we had rules for it and then we did um, six episodes of a live play using that setting to tell a story, uh, just so to, to give listeners the idea that it can go from just this nothing idea of, of a group of people around a table going, wouldn't it be cool if we do this game, mm. um, all the way through to making it a reality. Mm. Um, so, you know, we've taken it that next level, I guess, rather than just showing people how to play the game, we've taught them how to design it from, from the ground up yeah. to for make for an exciting um, thing to play with friends. So, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. So, tell us about your team. Obviously, you've got um, three other uh, GMs, you, I guess you call it. You've got um, GM Huzz, GM yep. Flano. <laughs> that's awesome. Very Aussie name. Love it. <laughs> and GM Caitlin. So, tell us about your team and what they all specialise in. Okay. So, um, we've all got our own specialities. I mean, I'm probably fit the old-time gamer uh, the most since I'm the eldest out of, uh, out of all four of us. Uh, Caitlin, who is now in the States, uh, she um, uh, moved over there to be with her partner, Chase, uh, who's in the Navy over there. Uh, that uh, She's the, the newcomer, so she hasn't been involved in gaming all that long, but she's picked it up very, very quickly, um, and she's, she's run games now as well. Uh, so uh, she brings sort of the, uh, the, the deer in the spotlight sort of, um, uh, sort of appeal to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we're rather, rather than looking at a problem or an issue that like question that gets raised from the old timers perspective, we get this brand new fresh blood mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to come in and talk about it uh, on the show. And she's amazing. Um, and uh, then we've got um, Huzz, who is probably the next eldest. Actually, I'm not sure about that, come to think of it. But <laughs> both Huzz and Flanner are around about the same sort of age uh, and they've got the same sort of experience. Um, uh, Flano is definitely more about, um, he's very much about storytelling. Uh, he's done a lot of uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. And he's our systems guy. So he knows the ins and outs of, of a lot of the mechanics 
of all of the systems uh, that uh, that plug into Genesis uh, and give us a lot of feedback in relation to that. Uh, and then um, Huz, he's the uh, he is predominantly um, uh, in miniatures. Well, that's where he got his start from mm-hmm. uh, in the miniatures side of things with with 40k and fantasy and things like that. Uh, but he's got probably just as much experience uh, in the RPG realm as what I do uh, with various systems and, and whatever else, and uh, also a bit of an artist at the same time. So, um, so yeah, but between the whole four of us, we have this really, I guess, eclectic mix of ages and experience that we can, you know, nut out a problem, and we've got really good chemistry, and that's, that's what a lot of uh, the feedback that we get about the show um, is that uh, the we've that we communicate really really well, and I think if it shows nothing else that especially when it comes to playing around at the table, that um, we have got that chemistry that we can just get straight into the the storytelling and tell some epic stories. So um, you know to to give people an idea who would never ever you know that this is their first time that they have ever stepped into role playing game shoes that, you know, this is what it can be like. So, yeah, it's great. It's amazing. So tell the folks about, um, uh, you know, how the podcast itself got going and what they can find on the episodes themselves. Obviously, you guys play um, the games and put some of those out live, I take it, for some of those episodes. But, yeah, what can um, players themselves learn in these episodes too? Sure. So um, the Dice Pool podcast basically started when we were talking X number of times after gaming sessions, and we would just have these elongated, almost, I guess, gaming deep and meaningfuls, for want of a better term, um, around the table after the session. And we've just gone, wouldn't it be great if we recorded this instead of sort of just this information that we're sharing um, and learning and sort of improving our games, rather than just it being isolated to the table, perhaps we can bring that to the gaming community. Mm. So we sort of thought long and hard about what we wanted to do, uh, and we were playing Star Wars at the time, Star Wars Into the Empire. And, uh, you know, we knew that we loved the, the, the narrative dice system, but the problem was is that there were so many other shows which were out there which were doing Edge of the Empire stuff. Mm. And then Genesis got announced. And we've thought, why don't we do a show based on that system? Because we're familiar with it, but we've also got knowledge of all these other systems that we can then bring into the one. So that's where that was was born from there. Uh, as far as the, the stuff that we discuss on the show, we normally take a topic uh, and discuss that infinitum. Uh, we also have a bit of a Q&A at the end of the show, so listeners can send us in questions that they may have, uh, and we'll answer them as best as we can. Uh, if we don't know what the answer is, we will go to the developers because we have a good relationship with Fantasy Five Games. And then uh, we present that, obviously, to the listeners. Um, but what we did for the first few shows is we really took a... What would it be like if I was a brand new gamer who had never experienced role playing before and had never experienced the, the narrative dice system before? How would I like to listen to a podcast to learn about the, the game, to sort of supplement the, the system? 
And so we've decided to, you know, gradually take piece by piece. We did one on character generation. We did one on how you run a session zero, which is how do you sort of sit down and work out the the ground rules for how the table's going to run, what sort of uh, rules that you're going to use and which ones you're going to discard, that sort of stuff. And we did another show on the actual dice mechanics themselves. Mm. So we've kind of built up that. And we do a few fun little episodes as well, like the setting roulette that I mentioned before. But we do all of these uh, little fun shows where we just talk about nothing really. Um, but we try to sort of tie it into the, uh, a, an element of the Genesis role-playing game. Mm. I love not it. Only, not only that, we also do... Um, live plays as well so um you know they're, they're just hour-long episodes where we play the system and we've got two seasons we've done of that it's normally five to six episodes each uh where we um, play a setting oh wow that's, that's amazing i love that too because you get to see not only the start of something you actually get to see how a, a story is generated how it goes through how you interact with that story and how a team this is the great thing about role playing in general how a team resolves all the problem that they're given yeah exactly i mean the other thing as well that we uh we developed um that we presented uh, as a you can download it off the website um is an a, a um an adventure design it's just a one sheet it seems pretty simple, um, but we've also got a bit of an article on our Facebook page as well as the uh, the website about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just a simple thing on how you can sit down and design a story about an hour before you actually start gameplay uh, to uh, to nut out a few ideas and just um, run a session from there. So oh, wow. all of these sorts of tools, and we, we do an episode wholly and solely dedicated to that. So you can learn how that system is run and we develop a story live on the show. So, yeah. That's brilliant. Now, one thing that's caught my attention is uh, Mm. you've got a a coming soon, which Mm. is, of course, this amazing – well, the artwork straight away got me too – but Knight's (laughs) Edge, so an original um, Genesis setting that you guys are putting together. So please do tell. (laughs) What that is basically, this is what we design on the setting roulette. Uh, so uh, the ideas that we initially came up with were werewolves, uh, vampires, airships, and magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a shattered world was another option that we had. So uh, Knight's Edge effectively is, uh, it was a solid planet at one stage where magic was, you know, it's a typical D&D world. Uh, but the vampires um, enslaved uh, the people, um, and the elves um, and the werewolves also enslaved people. And so there was this 100-year war that basically went on between the vampires and the um, uh, and the werewolves. And eventually things just got a little bit strange and the elves became corrupted and whatever else, and then the planet exploded. Um, but it was held together partially by the magic. So uh, the cities were they floated from the like they were basically suspended they had this magic going on magic is the answer to everything in all these settings <laughs> <laughs> or the force whichever way you want to look at it yeah. um and uh, so the cities rose above this inky black darkness that was left behind because obviously you know vampires and and werewolves like to live in the dark 
So mm. the cities rose above that. Um, and where that is, uh, where these cities rest just on the edge of that is called Knight's Edge. And so that's where that idea came from. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the nutshell from, uh, you know, that's that setting in a nutshell. And uh, so it's very, very cool. Um, we're still in the in the process because I'm as busy as, as all hell with writing and, and stuff like that. So it's a matter of, you know, finding time. We don't do this full time as much as we'd love to. Um, so, uh, you know, but there's plenty of other people who are putting settings together, which are absolutely fantastic. Um, so, you know, it will be coming. Uh, it's just a matter of when. <laughs> oh, I love the idea. It's kind of, it feels like a, uh, the minute I, I sort of got the idea from, um, what you've just uh, been telling us about the description of the world, it feels like it's a steampunk dark fantasy version of Bespin. Yes. Surprisingly, there is a character who is in there by the name of Octavius Magnuson, uh, who runs this shadow port. Um, and to say that I did my um, uh, best uh, version of Land of Calrissian would be, uh, um, you know, <laughs> I give it a go. It wasn't very good. But, uh, That's brilliant. So. Absolutely brilliant. Now, um with Dice Pool, obviously, one of the great things about it, too, is that people can uh, interact with you guys. Uh, to hear that you, you also take on a lot of the questions and stuff like that on those episodes must mean that you get good, great interactivity with your listeners. Look, we do. And, I mean, we're, we're, getting, um, uh, we're getting likes on Facebook because that's probably predominantly where we get uh, most of our interaction with. Uh, but we also have a fairly vibrant community as well. Uh, that uh, asks us as well as us other people because, you know, we don't have necessarily all the answers. Mm. Uh, we're really big into this building that community yeah. to to help each other, you know. we've uh, And, you know, we have fairly strict guidelines how people conduct themselves and, you know, they know that they're coming to a safe place uh, and they can learn about the game. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there's been some really good ideas and, and people asking questions and other community members answering them well before we can get a chance to get onto them. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really good to, to have that, um, camaraderie, I guess, between all of the gamers, um, and, uh, to be all inclusive of both experienced gamers as well as, um, people who've never had anything to do with, uh, role-playing before. Oh, so, definitely. I, mean, yeah. I think it's fantastic. Now, it's interesting how you and I met, too, through uh, a couple of mutual friends. Um, yeah. Obviously, through Keith Cappell. Uh, I um, was doing a, an interview with him earlier in the year, and he said, I oh, know this really good mate of mine over in Australia. Um, and then at the same time, had no idea that she'd actually been a very good pals with a certain Mr. Harris of my saga as well. Indeed. I've known Adam, wow, um, when he was working in the cinemas um, in Toomble, uh, when it was up in the, uh, well, it still is, I think. It's been a long time since I've been to Toomble, but um, when it was the old Birch Conner on Coil. Um, and uh, we sort of got friendly around about the time that episode one was coming out. Uh, so, because we'd organised uh, for a fairly large group booking for, um, for one of the screenings. And, uh, yeah, got, uh, was actually working as a police officer down at um, the Toomble Police Beat um, at that stage. So uh, we became quite good friends then. 
um, and yeah, just stayed in touch all the way through. But uh, but Keith is uh, just talking about Keith for a minute. Uh, he is kind of what I would consider to be my my mentor. Uh, he's a very very experienced writer and does um, some amazing work. Uh, and uh, I approached him uh, at a place which is called Gamination Con um, in the states. Uh, where it's just a four-day gaming convention, very, very small in Plano, Texas. Uh, it's on in April next year, just, just to give them a quick plug. Um, but uh, they, uh, yeah, Keith and I got talking there, and, um, yeah, so we became good friends uh, and then got involved in his writing academy mm. with, um, for people who want to get into role-playing design, uh, that, uh, that I did his course uh, and... Um, Applied to work for FFG during that period of time and managed to uh, to uh, to be asked to uh, to come and participate, which was great, uh, and work for them. Uh, and Keith and I, have some Keith's been my mentor during that process, so I can't speak more highly enough about him. He's just a um, great guy um, and a very very talented artist. That's for sure. Oh, definitely. And may I say, it's another franchise, but he's a I mean, completely. Total Robotech nut. <laughs> I never realised that he was such a Robotech nut until recently. Oh, really? Uh, but, yeah, no, no. He, he sort of keeps that very, very much under his belt. Ah. <laughs> you open the flood doors, oh, um, and, yeah, yeah, he's on. So, uh, oh, yeah. he loves it. He loves it. Look, with, um, I remember chatting to him off air when we were doing the interview, and, uh, you know, he just mentioned, you know, it's, look, it's one of those things. And I think he's... It's um, one of those things with that franchise is interesting. You know, it came out at a time where it was just right. Um, Carl Masek, the um, guy that put those three separate anime, so um, the three separate shows were in the same production company from Japan, from Tatsunoko, came over, and he worked for George in the marketing department uh, on the first Star Wars film. Oh, wow. So, so he kind of went, George has done this with, you know, he obviously watched what was happening and yeah. um, then said, well... Maybe I could do that with a mecha anime, and um, they were get, they were doing it with every one of them. So Go Lion obviously came out here as Voltron, and there's a number of different of those little animes that came out, and we had to relate them to the culture that we have out here, and yeah. uh, or out in the states, obviously. And anyway, so that that went the way it did, but it came out in eighty three or eighty four in the states, right on the heels of the classic trilogy, and same with us out here. And it has that feel. It's mortal heroes sacrificing yeah. themselves for the greater good. Mm. Some interesting stories. I never really got into Robotech, I'll be mm. perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine at school did. He was just absolutely crazy. And, you know, we um, we talked a lot about it. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, he got really into uh, Palladium yeah. as well. Um, just talking because he loved the, the Macro Saga specifically. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've sort of, I diverged a little bit and I went into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because that was also oh, in Palladium nice. as well. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of where our interests departed. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I know that Keith loves it and, uh, my, my mate John loved it as well. So, but, um, yeah, it just wasn't my thing, but I mean, I've, I have watched it, I've sat through it and yeah, I thought it was great. Um, so, uh, but yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the live-action version. Mm, yeah, well, the thing is, it's an interesting time. Harmony Gold, who 
uh, obviously um, own that currently and have done a deal with, I think it's Sony that's doing the movie, if I remember right. Um, but um, what they're sort of looking at is that Tatsunoko is reverting all rights to um, Macross and I think there are other two titles in 2020 or 2021. So it means Harmony Gold won't be able to use those parts of Robotech anymore. Um, so even if it goes to Sony, Sony's going to have to shell out big money if they're going to do anything that resembles um, those anime. I think they're just going to have to go completely original, to be perfectly honest. It might be the way to go anyway. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but well, it's an interesting... You know, the thing is, that game it, it, itself, it wasn't about the robots for me. It wasn't about the all the mecha, you know. It wasn't about these giant things. It was about the characters. Um, but also, having said that, with the game itself, you wanted to be best buddies with the guy you were next to in, in the game because yep. if they got obliterated and they're <laughs> down to their little cockpit, they still had a quite a bit of um, firepower if they ejected and then uh, self-destructed the, 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 the mecha they were in. It, yep. it did, the blast radius would wipe out whoever was next to them. And there's a number of times where one of our, one of our guys just would, would be bugging the rest of them up and... We'd be getting wasted by Zentrotti, and um, a mate of mine, uh, he, he he said, "That's it, I'm out of here. I've got to eject." And the, the other guy, um, this big fella, uh, he, he always had the biggest mech. The the one was like a destroyer, so it didn't move fast. It was like walking pace. The others yeah. all had uh, those big jet fighter ones, so the uh, Veritech fighters. Yeah. And he goes, "Oh, don't do it. I know what you're doing. You're ejecting, aren't you?" He said, "Yeah, man. Well, I'm going to die. I've got to save my character." Oh, no, no, you're, you're going to self-destruct, aren't you? Well, he said, yeah, it's the only way to take out the enemy. I told you to buy a Veritech fighter, mate, and then took off, blew up, and the blast radius wiped out his back as well. So he says, <laughs> people learn to use Veritech fighters, not the, uh, the like, it's the old, old retired man, you know, like with the walking stick. That's the sort of pace that these, these things did. So uh, very funny how that sort of came around, but... Um, yeah, look, fun games. But I did play the Palladium Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Great. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the thing which really sort of dragged me into it was when they uh, they had the the Australian version of it. It was, mm-hmm. um, there was like, I can't remember what it was called, it was Terrace Australis or something like that. I think so. Uh, yeah. That, um, yeah, and it basically had, you can play echidnas and wombats and, you know, uh, humanoid dingoes, and, <laughs> and I've just got, yeah, thanks very much, I'll take that. So, uh, yeah. I've been meaning to do that uh, as a conversion for Genesis, but, you know, again, time is always against me, but, uh, but yeah. I tell you, well, it's always um, popular, and um, the fact that now, I don't know if it's DC that did it, or um, uh, which comic company it did, but um, they've just done a Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles team-up. Uh, which quite a good graphic novel from what I remember of it, but um, but yeah, so the interest is definitely out there for a half decent turtles RPG, mm. without a doubt. I love it. So, what can the listeners in the next couple of weeks uh, look forward to on Dice Pearl Podcast? Uh, well, next episode we're basically going to be taking a fairly deep dive into the Terranoth, uh setting, which is the uh, official. Fantasy Flight Games uh, fantasy setting, I guess, the generic fantasy setting mm-hmm. for the game. Um, and then after that, I think we're going to be doing a, an episode uh, specifically about vehicle combat 
um, and everything that that entails. And that's going to, we've done so much playtesting and whatever else for that side of things because it just does our head in a little bit. But, um, um, you know, hopefully if, uh, if people have experienced Genesis, uh, they've uh, had a good play with it and then have gone into the vehicle combat side of things and just gone, what were they thinking? Um, that, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to shed some light and, um, you know, it's certainly not as, as hard as what a lot of people make it out to be uh, and we'll have some tips and tricks to uh, to be able to make that part of the setting to because uh, uh, the guys, strangely enough, that you, you should mention mechs and stuff like that, um, Flano and... Um, uh, Huzz are really big into Battletech. Oh, uh, and wow. they, they decided that they wanted to have a, uh, a Genesis Battletech game. So they've been hard at designing sort of rules. And so they've, you know, opened up the, uh, looked under the engine as far as the uh, the mechanics of the vehicle combat goes. So, you know, we'll utilise that uh, as a bit of an example. But, um, yeah, that's... For the next um, month or so, and then we'll probably have Christmas, obviously. Um, but uh, who knows what the new year will uh, will hold? But um, yeah, it's all looking fantastic from our end. <laughs> it certainly is exciting times, and again, it's great to get into the holidays because more people have time to play RPG, get involved, uh, and particularly learning a new system. Why not use the school holidays to get in there and learn something new uh, and Tell you what, while we're at it, with Fantasy Flight Games, folks, if you haven't done it yet, download the Dice app. Just download mm. it. It is fantastic. Yep. Uh, and all of the, uh, the, the books for Genesis, uh, not so much Star Wars, but definitely Genesis, so that means the Terranoth book as well as the Genesis Core book is available on PDF um, as well from DriveThruRPG um, for next to nothing. So, you know, give that a go um, because I know that a lot of people don't necessarily have the space these days to have big bookshelves. So, you know, if it's just something that you want to read on your iPad or or whatever device that you've got, you know, you can just download and, uh, you know, look at the rules. And it's always kept up to date then as well with the revisions and everything like that. So, uh, so yeah, definitely download it. It's, it's good stuff. Definitely. So where can the folks find your show and where can they get in touch with you, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? Okay, well, they just need to search at uh, Dice Ball Podcast. Um, we missed out on the, that Dice Ball Podcast. Uh, but, yeah, they can just search at Dice Ball Podcast. Uh, they can go to our website, as you mentioned before, which is uh, thediceballpodcast.com. Um, you can find us on iTunes just by searching at Dice Ball Podcast. Uh, and uh, we're also on another one that I can't remember, Podbean. That's the one that I remembered. Um, so uh, we're on there as well. So, uh, yeah, any any of your – I think we're on Google Play as well. So, um, yeah, we've sort of covered all of our platforms, um, and hopefully in the not-too-distant future we'll be on Spotify as well. Awesome. I want to thank uh, Ian for being on the show tonight, and uh, fans of trackers, get out there, go and check it out, and get involved. RPG is fun. It's social. Get off the social media and get social playing role-playing games. <laughs> Indeed. Thanks for having me, Adam. No worries. It's an absolute pleasure. And that's the end of this episode here on the show. And I want to thank Ian for being on the show and also to all of you for listening. And uh, hopefully you've learnt a little bit about uh, fantasy flight games, role-playing games, and, of course, about the new Genesis 
uh, role-playing game, which I think is very exciting. And of course, it's just like Star Wars. That's right. So go and check it out. You can check out all the latest episodes of The Panther from Down Under and, of course, our other podcast here on the channel. That is, of course, Making Tracks with Mark Newbold and Dave Tree, live from the UK on Tuesdays on Panther Tracks Radio. You can also catch me every Saturday and every second Saturday on some months, depends on how busy we are, um, on, of course, Panther Tracks Radio. You can find it on iTunes. You can also find it on SoundCloud and wherever you find good podcasts. Simple as that. Leave a review up there if you've enjoyed the show or give us some feedback about what you'd like to see on the show or uh, new Star Wars content you'd like us to uh, chat about. But also, if you're loving it, leave leave a five-star review. Why not? I'm Adam O'Brien. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll catch you next time on The Phantom from Down Under. May the Force be with you.